Hope you're not too disappointed this morning that Brother Jonathan Lee is not here. Uh, we got a call yesterday, late yesterday afternoon, that he probably would not be coming because of some sickness. I'm not sure what. Uh, it was our turn to go to Caswell. And so there would be no ministry here this morning. So in talking with Brother John Hartzler at Caswell and Kelvin, uh, it was thought that uh, maybe instead of him and me driving and passing each other, it might be just as practical to we stay here and he stay there. Also, it saved about 160 total miles of travel this morning. So we're here, and if you can get past the thought of hearing your deacon for two Sundays in a row, maybe we'll go ahead and share a message this morning. I invite you to a passage this morning that is probably the most familiar passage in the scripture, maybe the one that's been most memorized, and so probably some of you are already starting to turn to Psalms 23. If not, you can do so at this time. This passage, someone has said it's impossible to estimate its effect upon mankind throughout the centuries. A passage very familiar and yet very profound. The Lord is my shepherd. In John 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. We're talking about God, the Lord, Jesus, whatever word you want to put in there, is our shepherd. And so I'd like for us to read this or recite it, however you want to do it this morning together. So I invite you to stand and let's say Psalm 23 together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. You may be seated. says here, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If he's our shepherd, it's saying here that there, we shall not want for anything. Or in maybe more modern today's language, we would say, the Lord is my shepherd, and these are the things he gives me. It's a message this morning of encouragement. There was once a young child reciting this psalm and the little girl said the Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want the people that were with her said well you 
you didn't say it right. But you know, she probably had more of the right meaning that what it really means. And that is that if the Lord is our shepherd, that should be all we want. It's certainly all we need. And so a songwriter wrote this, Jesus Christ is made to me all I need, all I need. Wisdom, righteousness, and power. Holiness forevermore. My redemption, full and sure. He is all I need. So this morning, have you found that in your experience? Have you found it to be so that our shepherd, our Lord, is all we need? He's all I need. And is he meeting your needs today? Or do we feel at times deficient or lacking? Do we find ourselves sometimes maybe running down little bunny trails instead of following the shepherd? So this morning I'd like to look at ten things from this passage that the shepherd gives us. Things that we don't have to want for. Things that our shepherd gives to us. The first one is rest and contentment. Rest or contentment. Verse 2, he says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Is speaking there of tender grass. Ezekiel 34 said, I will feed my flock and will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. That speaks of rest. It speaks of contentment. When you have uh, animals that are lying down in lush green grass, it means that they're content. Or maybe you've seen an animal lying down in green grass, chewing its cud. It means that they're satisfied, they're content, they're happy. Uh, and it's a picture of contentment and rest. They are lying down, there's no fear, there's no fighting, there's no hunger. They're satisfied. Psalms 4 and verse 8 says, speaks of lying down in peace because God keeps us. God is with us. That's rest. We have God. We have the Spirit. We have His Word. Again, speaking of rest. And recently, I think it was in our Sunday school lesson, the account where the disciples were in the boat, you remember, and the storm came up. Jesus was there. He was asleep. The disciples were quite distressed and disturbed because of the storm, but Jesus was at rest. He was at peace. And so when Jesus is with us, it gives us rest and peace. And once they saw that Jesus was in control, then I think they were restful. But he's there. He's always with us. First Timothy 6, godliness with contentment is gain. Philippians 4, whatever state we find ourselves in, we are admonished to be content, to be at rest. This morning, am I resting in God? Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and ye shall find rest for your souls. 
Someone has said this way, and I'll read this twice because it takes a little while to soak this one in. It says, God wants to clear rocks of unbelief and bitterness. He then sows seeds of his word, which brings forth peace and contentment. And then he waters it by his Holy Spirit so that we can enter green pastures and rest. Again, God wants to clear rocks of unbelief and bitterness. He then sows seeds of his word, which brings forth peace and contentment. And then he waters it by the Holy Spirit so that we can rest, enter green pastures and rest. I trust that's our experience uh, today as we rest in God and allow him to give us that contentment. Second thing that he gives us is refreshment. Verse 2, he leadeth me beside still waters. I believe the still waters here could be a type of the word of God. Uh, he leads us there, it says, Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. We can be refreshed by the still waters of God's word. And as I thought of that, I thought of the little devotional book that I've used for years. Uh, beside the still waters, I know some of you use that. And uh, I'd put a plug in for that devotional book. It's a very good devotional book, an aid to our worship and study. Uh, but that book is written by men of like faith as us like you and me who have normal struggles, they go about their work, their activities, and live their lives just like we do. Those are the people that write the devotionals in that book. Uh, some devotional books, it's just one person that writes the whole book each day, and sometimes you kind of just get their thought pattern. But besides Still Waters, it's a different person writing every day. And so I've been encouraged by that. But it, it carries us beside the word of God, uh, along with the word of God, and gives us direction and wisdom. And in this point of refreshment and coming beside the still waters, uh, I'd like to just give an example from that book. And this writer was writing about his quiet time, his devotional time, in coming beside the still waters of God's word. And so he says this, I have faced such frustrations myself. I set aside part of my busy morning to visit my prayer closet. Yet after I sit down to talk with God, I sometimes discover, discover with dismay amid the bustle, I've neglected to shut the closet door. The distraction that clouds my vision might be a task for today, a worry from yesterday, or a personal struggle. Instead of viewing my life mirrored in Jesus' face, all I can see is the problem in one ugly blur. Psalms 46.8 says, Come behold the works of the Lord. Since Christ is God in human form, he is the clear expressed image of the Godhead. Our own plans and problems are infinitely small in comparison to the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. Allow his glorious light to illuminate the mirror of the scripture in your soul today. For the word of God is quick and powerful 
a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And then he gives this uh, one verse of a song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And so coming to the still waters is a time of refreshment. It says, be still and know that I am God. You know, people are often drawn to the ocean. Uh, at the ocean, there's a lot of action, the waves, the people, the fun. It's also a lot of trash at the ocean uh, that comes in from the waves. But to find real refreshment, sometimes we need to go to still waters to waters that are calm. And so people try all kinds of things in life, but the quiet, still voice of God is where refreshment is. We need to take time to sit at the still waters. In Revelation, it talks about there will be no more sea, but a river of life. Jeremiah 2.13, my people have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And Jesus said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. So we need to take time to come to the still waters of God's word. And he will provide the refreshment there that we need. The third one is forgiveness. Verse 3, he restoreth my soul. He forgives. Have you experienced that forgiveness today? If we're Christians, he has forgiven us. And yet, there are times, because we're human, that we fall or fail. But he helps us back up. And he brings us back. He wants us to come back. Micah seven eighteen says, God pardoneth iniquity. And he will have compassion. It also speaks there about how he casts our sins into the sea. This morning, if we're not a Christian, God can forgive us. He can forgive you. He can forgive me. And he can bring us back. And he wants us to come and be a part of the family of God. And we know of Many stories of restoration. We looked at one there today in our lesson when you think of Peter, how he denied the Lord, and yet he was restored. God is a God of restoration, of forgiveness. David in the Old Testament, we know he sinned, and yet he was restored. He asked forgiveness. He was restored, and he wrote Psalms 23 that we're looking at today. God is a God of restoration. Psalms 37, 24, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. If we fall, when we fall, the scripture says don't be utterly cast down, but allow God to lift you back up and to be restored. That very verse was one that a uh, time in my life when I had stumbled, my mother wrote that 
verse on a little paper and gave it to me one day. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, but the Lord upholdeth him. It's as if the Lord would reach down his hand and lift us back up to restore us. The devil would want us to think, well, you know, I've sinned too much. I, you know, I've just I've done too much. I, I can't be restored, but God forgives. He gives us his forgiveness, and he wants us to come back to him. The fourth thing is guidance. In verse 3, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Also, verse 2, it speaks there that he leadeth me beside the still waters. And so he guides us and leads us in the path of life. We need to be led. Isaiah 53 says that we are like sheep that have gone astray. We go, generally we tend to go our own way. And so God is there to guide us. Our shepherd is there to lead us. And we as sheep need to follow. We're supposed to follow our shepherd. And so we rest in that fact that he leads us, and if we follow him, we can't go astray. So we sing sometimes, where he may lead me, I will go, for I have learned to trust him so. Is that our experience? Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere he leads me in this world below. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I came that ye might have life. And if any man will follow me and deny himself and take up the cross. So we follow the master. We follow the shepherd. And we can't do it on our own. Uh, if we try it on our own, we stray off to the side from the shepherd. This morning, the challenge to me is, am I letting the shepherd be my guide? fifth thing is courage, verse 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says he's with us in those times, God is with us in our valleys, he's always there, but especially here he's talking about the valley of death, and when I read that I think of my mother's last words, her last words were, thank you, Jesus. And so when I heard that, I knew that God was with her in those last moments. Death is a valley, and usually if we're in a valley, it means that uh, right beside us is a mountain. And so in death, we are in a deep valley, and yet heaven is the next thing. And we don't have to climb that mountain. He takes us there. Also, it speaks here of the shadow of death. We're speaking of courage, having courage in this time in our life. Uh, you know, a shadow doesn't hurt you. If, uh, if a big truck ran over you, that would hurt. But the shadow of that big truck going back doesn't hurt you at all. And if there's a shadow... It also means that there's a light 
somewhere that calls the shadow. And so in the valley, if we're in a valley, we need to look to the light of God as the shadow passes. We need to take courage. God is with us, it says. Jesus is the light of the world. Isaiah 43 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. So in our difficult times, may we look to God and take courage in what he has for us. As I thought of that, this part of going through the valley of death and having courage, uh, just this week we were in a funeral in Abbeville, South Carolina. Uh, on Friday, uh, Ray Schwarzentruber passed away. He was married to my wife's cousin. So we went to that funeral, and it was uh, a very blessing, much of a blessing to be there. But this Ray, a very faithful man, uh, he had some heart trouble there, and his heart was shutting down, his body shutting down. But he had a, a couple days there where he was still alert and talking to the family. And uh, just a day or two before he died, one night he couldn't sleep. And so he wrote out his testimony, and it was supposed to be read this, this morning in church, but he passed away on Tuesday, so they read his testimony at his funeral. But what he said was that one night he couldn't sleep. And so when he realized that sleep's not coming, he said that he prayed for each of the members of his church. Uh, you know, usually we kind of sit in our normal places. So he just went down each bench in his mind and prayed for each member in the church. And then in case he missed somebody, he went by the roads. He went down each road in his mind so that he would remember each family. Ray knew the shepherd. And he, God gave him courage in those last days. A time when you would tend to think your mind is on yourself. He was praying for other people. The sixth one is comfort. That's in verse 4. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, I'm not a sheep person or a shepherd, but I understand that the shepherds used to carry a rod. It was a short stick. And that, that rod was for protection and correction. It was used to throw at a sheep. If a sheep was acting up or getting out of the way, they would actually throw that rod. Uh, I don't know if they would hit it or just startle it to get its attention. But So it was used to correct the sheep. It was also used to throw at dangerous animals. If a dangerous animal was coming close, they could take that rod and throw it and maybe even kill that animal. And so he says here, we are to find comfort in God's correction. When he does something to correct us, 
or to keep us from danger, does that bring comfort to your heart and mine? You know, children don't necessarily like correction, and uh, we adults don't necessarily like correction from God either. And yet, if we allow it to do its work, it can be a comfort to us because correction steers us in the right direction. And today, I don't know where I would be if it wouldn't have been for the correction of my parents and the correction of the church. So children this morning, take comfort in correction. And as Christians, may we take comfort in the correction that God gives. The shepherd also had a staff, which was a long stick with a crook on the end. And it was used to pick up a sheep that was cast or... That means a sheep that maybe fell down and couldn't get back up. They would take the staff and reach down with that curved in and pick the sheep up. That would be comfort. So God corrects us and he's concerned about us. And I trust that it brings comfort to our hearts. The seventh thing is nourishment. These are things that God gives us, our shepherd gives us. Number seven, he gives us encouragement, uh, nourishment, I should say. He gives us nourishment. He feeds us. Verse five says, thou preparest a table before me. When you think of a table, you think of nourishment, of something to eat. Even in the midst of enemies or danger, God is there to nourish us. He provides for us. He meets our needs. Uh, when we don't know the future, we don't see the future, we don't understand the future, he's there to nourish us on, to carry us on. In the heat of the battle, men don't usually eat. But God is there to provide for our needs. He makes a way. Psalms 31:19 Oh how great is thy goodness which thou hast laid up for them for them that fear thee which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men How great is the goodness of the Lord He takes care of us he meets our needs And so God goes before us he ministers to us he nourishes us Number 8 is joy Verse 5, Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Oil speaks of healing. Oil is used for healing. And so we come to God in times of sickness or discouragement because God cares. And he ministers to our need. Whatever the need of the hour is, God is there to meet that need. Even in the New Testament, it talks about oil. It talks about anointing with oil. And those of you that were here last Sunday, you saw that as we observed that ordinance here. And so God can heal. He can take care of sicknesses or diseases. However he wants to, he made us and he can fix us 
whatever we need. God can do that. He doesn't always choose to do that, but even if not, oil would, would somewhat symbolize uh, gladness, joy. Even if he doesn't heal our body or deliver us, this would give thought of having joy and gladness in our hearts in the midst of struggles or difficulties. And so it talks about our cup running over, and I think there's a song about that. Uh, I can't get the words right now, but about our cups running over. It's speaking of happiness, of joy. I even heard a song once, uh, and I can't get all the words of that one either, but uh, it, that song says, my saucer is full because my cup is running over. So the saucer is the little plate under the cup, and this song says that not only is the cup full, but the saucer is full, and so our cup is running over. Uh, example of joy, of gladness, as we receive joy from God in every circumstance, it, it gives us that motivation to keep going. God is meeting my needs. I can be joyful even in suffering. Number nine, he gives us help in this life. Verse six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So the question to each of us this morning, has God's goodness and mercy been with you? Have you felt his goodness and his mercy in your life? You know, sometimes we... We go through difficult times. We go through trouble and sickness and et cetera. The list could go on. And sometimes we do get discouraged and we say, is it worth it? But this morning, can we ask the question, has God been good to you and me? His mercy is new every morning. His goodness has followed us in our lives, we have to admit, as we look back. And we could look at verses this morning on goodness and mercy, but we know those things. We know that God's goodness and mercy follows us. He's a good shepherd, and he cares for us. So the challenge is to not allow difficult things to get us down, but to exercise and show the joy and happiness that God gives us and to pass it on to others. So someone has said, when you meet people, how do you leave them? Do you leave them with peace or with trouble? With forgiveness or bitterness? With contentment or conflict? With joy or sorrow? With love or hatred? God has helped us. His goodness, his mercy has been with us. Let's pass it on. Let's show that, show that to others. Show God's goodness and mercy to others. And the last one, number 10, things that God gives us, the shepherd. He gives us life to come. Verse 6, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
I don't know what you think about when you hear that word dwell, but that word carries the meaning of sitting down, remaining, continuing, keep, inhabit, abide. That's what the word dwell means. So he says here that when, I mean, it could, it could mean a number of things here, but uh, if we are experiencing God, we're dwelling with him in his presence, but it can also mean when we come to the end of life that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, we like to go visit, go take trips. We took a couple this week. But it's always good to get home because that's where you dwell. You can come home. It's something about it, coming to your own house, sleeping in your own bed. Uh, it's just a refreshing feeling. And so he says... I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When I think of dwelling, I, I think of an example from Belize. The men there, they live in their village, uh, but they would go out down the road, out in the woods, where they have their little plantation. Now, most of us, when we think of a plantation, we think of a thousand acres in Georgia or Mississippi or somewhere, but in Belize, a man's plantation is his little acre out in the bush where he clears by hand and plants his rice by hand or his corn and different uh, food items he grows there. And so he would go to his plantation during the growing season every day and, and do something, chop weeds or fertilize or whatever. And so usually at their little plantation, they build a little shack. I'll call it a shack. They have a, a name for it, but I don't know the, that right off. But Anyway, they build a little shack. And, and so that what that is is just as they're there working, they might get hot. So they go sit in the shade of their little shack. They might take a backpack with a tortilla or something, and so they have their snack in their shack. And so uh, they might have a hammock there and they rest. Or when they harvest their food, their rice or corn, they might stack it in there temporarily until they can haul it home. And so it's a place of refreshment and rest, whatever. But you know, in the evening, they don't stay at that little shack. They go home because that's where they dwell. They dwell at home. So we live on this earth. It's our temporary home. When we leave this earth, we will go to dwell in the house of the Lord. So the scripture says that we will dwell in a house not made with hands. We will dwell in a place where the builder and maker is God. We'll dwell in a place where there's no more sea. We'll dwell where there's no more death, no sorrow, no crying, no pain, no night. We'll dwell where there's a pure, 
river of life. We'll dwell where there's a tree of life. And David, just a few psalms after this one, in 27, he said this, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. David's desire was to dwell in the house of the Lord. So may we be challenged this morning to find that place of rest and comfort in God. Allow these ten things that we've looked at from this psalm to be the things that we enjoy, that we live by, and that we accept from the shepherd. He gives us these things that we can live a fruitful, happy, joyous life in his service. I thought of a verse of a song in closing that kind of brings this all together, what I've tried to say this morning, and I'll read that at this time. It says, Through valleys deep by waters cool and still, he leads his sheep until they've had their fill, forever guiding with his tender hand until at last within his fold they stand. Trusting the shepherd to lead, trusting the shepherd to fill every need, trusting the shepherd all the way home, and then we'll dwell forever in the house of the Lord. May the Lord challenge us with these things. May we have a song.